There's one Christmas carol unlike any others. It never once directly references the birth of of Christ, and yet it is practically synonymous with Christmas. I'm talking about joy to the world. You can buy joy to the world sweatshirts and, and, and sweaters and wrapping paper and ribbons, and I've seen yard signs and lights with it this year. There are holiday cards, stickers, flags, iPhone cases. It's the most published, I believe, the most published Christmas song in North America. However, the song is not technically about the first coming of Jesus, which we continue to celebrate this week. It's about his triumphant return. Joy to the World was originally part of a book of poems written by the great English hymn writer Isaac Watts in 1718. And then Lowell Mason, an American music composer, adopted a melody uh, for it in the mid-1800s, and it was released at Christmas time, thus becoming a huge Christmas hit. Despite being technically written about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the hymn still proclaims the amazingly good news of what happens when God comes to reign and rule on earth. So it's still the perfect song to sing this, kind, this time of year because it reminds us that the birth of Jesus is not just good news worth us singing. It's news so big and so good and so comprehensive, it's worth all creation singing. And that's what we will unpack in our last sermon in this series as we look at Psalm 98 and this Christmas him. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Sing to the Lord a new song because he's done wonderful things. His own strong hand and his own holy arm have won the victory. The Lord has made his salvation widely known. He has revealed his righteousness in the eyes of all the nations. God has remembered his loyal love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Every corner of the earth has seen our God's salvation. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Be happy. Rejoice out loud. Sing your praises. Sing your praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of music. With trumpets and horn blasts, shout triumphantly before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it roar, the earth and all its inhabitants too. Let all the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains rejoice out loud all together before the Lord, because he is coming to establish justice on the earth. He will establish justice in the, in the world rightly. He will establish justice among all people fairly. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. You know, one of the, the Christmas traditions that I miss from growing up is going to a Christmas concert put on each year by the Greensboro Symphony Orchestra, where they would play a variety uh, of Christmas tunes, uh, and we would bring canned food, non-perishable food, uh, to be collected by the Salvation Army. So it was a free event, fundraising event. They would play so many of the classic Christmas songs, including my personal, personal favorite for an orchestra to play, Leroy Anderson's Sleigh Ride. 
You know, symphony makes beautiful music through the different instruments and, and groups of instruments and sections uniting their sounds together, woodwinds and brass and strings and percussion. The psalm we just read, Psalm 98, is what joy to the world is based on. There, uh, this is a, a psalm about a symphony of praise to God. A symphony comprised of people, but also the rest of the created order. Imagine singing and praising God, and then to your left is the river section doing their part, and then, then to the right, the mountains and the, and the sea, in front of you, trees and animals. Have you ever seen rivers clapping their hands? Mountains rejoicing out loud? The sea roaring its praise to God? Sing to the Lord a new song. Shout triumphantly all the earth. In other words, let heaven and nature sing. The cause of this musical commotion, this symphony, is the presence of the Lord. And how much more present could God be with creation than to become a creature? The gift of God coming to live with us, to be with us, to live within the world that God made is so incredible and so big that the response is nothing less than a symphony of all created things. Now when we think about singing and, and making music and praising God, we usually think about us, human beings, doing this. But the truth is, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ is so great that even the, the rest of creation takes notice takes notice and praises God and experiences the effects of what God has done. You know, it's kind of like an extended family opening Christmas presents together, and, and though everyone gets amazing and, and wonderful and, and unique gifts, there, there, there's always this one gift that someone opens, and it causes everyone else to stop tearing through the packages they're opening and the boxes and marvel along with the gift receiver Wow, that, that's incredible. What, what an amazing gift. This, that's, ooh, falls over the room. And everyone else rejoices along with the person who has received the gift. The, the wonderful thing that God has done for us in being born among us as Jesus Christ is, is a gift given to us as God's people. And the rest of God's creation, the rest of the things God made and called good, takes notice and rejoices along with us. They sing the same praise we do. But this is not something new. This, this idea of creation praising God, the idea that humanity and, and creation are tied together in the drama of God's saving love, that the key may be new, but the melody is the same. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, everything God made, God declared good. Seas and everything in them, dry land with plants and every creeping thing that crawls, good. Created that way to magnify and to point to the goodness of their creator. So creation praises God for the same reason we do, because it was made to. God said it was good, and its goodness was to declare the goodness of God. Human beings, God created in God's image. God called them very good and tasked them with partnering with God to bring about more beauty, more beauty and, and order 
and goodness in God's world. Human beings are central to this project. And from the start, human beings and the rest of creation are also threads woven together in a tapestry. They are different sections of God's glorious symphony praising God. And so when humanity revolted against God and sin entered the world, the reverberations of this act of betrayal, the consequences were felt and experienced not just by us, but by the rest of creation too. We caused the whole tapestry to begin to unravel. There are things happening in nature that are not as they should be. When Cain murdered his brother Abel, God said that his blood was crying out from the ground. And throughout the early part of the Old Testament, God talks about the land itself being defiled because of humanity's sin. And then in the New Testament, there's this powerful verse in Romans 8 where Paul writes that all creation is groaning and writhing like a mother in childbirth because of the effects of human sin as it waits and longs for God to finally set everything right. In other words, earth's brokenness is bound up with our sin. Therefore, the solution to earth's problems is bound up with our redemption too. If the rest of creation reacts to the introduction of sin into the world, of course, all creation, all created things, would also react to the introduction of a Savior into that same world. Of course, then rivers would clap their hands and, and seas roar in praise the coming of Jesus. Absolutely love how children's writer Sally Lloyd-Jones imagines this in her book, Song of the Stars, A Christmas Story. She captures beautifully the all creation implications and anticipation and joy of Jesus' birth. This is how her book begins. The world was about to change forever. And it almost went by unnoticed. But the leaves that night rustled with a rumor. News rang out across the open fields. A song drifted over the hills. The wind whispered it softly to the sycamore trees that waved their moonlit branches to the sky. A barn owl took flight. Woodland creatures stirred. It's time. It's time. The skies shouted it to the seas who thundered it to the waves that roared it to the great white whales who sang it to the starfish in the deep. The running rivers bounded over boulders and the otters clapped and played and sang to the ducklings that splashed and quacked to the salmon that leaped and leaped. And tiny field mice and insects and little creeping things and sparrows and robins and every single blade of grass squeaked and hummed and chirped and sang it's time, it's time, he's here. Sounds a bit like joy to the earth, the Savior reign, let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. This hymn proclaims the news that God's salvation is so grand that, that all creation can't help but sing. It sings of a big salvation that's not just about you and Jesus only or me and Jesus only. It is that, but it's also cosmic news. It's not just about us as individuals. This song helps us actually not over-individualize the birth of Jesus. 
The God we see in Jesus Christ is not our possession alone, but God of all the earth, of all creation, the creator worthy of all praise of every living being. Jesus coming to be with us has in view something far more vast than simply our own fulfillment and security and joy and personal relationship with God. God's plan, after all, according to Scripture, is to sum up in Jesus Christ all things in heaven and on earth. It is to reconcile all creation to God through Jesus Christ. The total work of the coming of Jesus Christ is to redeem the whole world from the effects of sin. It's to restore, not do away with all creation. The news this hymn sings gives larger context, a grand context to the meaning of the events in the manger, to the fields with shepherds and sheep, a sky of angels, magi on a quest. This, this hymn is a call to open our hearts and minds and eyes to the world around us and to the possibility of a victory begun at Jesus' coming and so wondrous that even creatures and inanimate objects alike can't help but join in the symphony. Sometimes good news is worth singing, especially Jesus' birth, as we've talked about over the last six Sundays looking at different Christmas hymns. Sometimes we, we, sing news, we sing the news that the answer to our prayer for rescue and presence is the promise of God's presence. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Sometimes we sing the news that Jesus' birth was first announced to those on the margins, those on the underside of power, showing God bypasses no one. Angels we have heard on high. Sometimes we sing the news that in the coming of Jesus Christ, our souls felt their worth. Oh, holy night. Sometimes we sing the news that because of Jesus coming to live with us, we know exactly what God is like. Hark the herald angels sing. Sometimes we sing the news that in Jesus, all our hopes and fears are met. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And then, sometimes we... We need to sing about the sheer magnitude of the gift and the context in which it was given. And that, friends, takes more than a solo. It needs a chorus, a symphony, where all creation repeats the sounding joy. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.